Hello, and welcome to Flip the Switch. In this episode, we talk to one of my best friends, Travis Ewart. He talks about what drove him to be a teacher, discuss his gratefulness of looping with his class during a pandemic, as well as some innovative ideas he brings into the classroom every year. We talk about his inspiration on the type of teacher he wants to be. He even discusses a powerful example on a moral discussion he had with his class and the type of foundational practices that he hopes to instill in his students for their future. We state countless times Travis is the type of teacher we both wish we had throughout our years in school. He brings up a practice he does yearly that he has found to be a powerful tool in his teaching habits, a practice he got from a book called Teach Like a Pirate. We had a discussion on his philosophy about punishment in his classroom and how he utilizes every situation to build relationships. And at the end, we discuss how Travis flips the switch and how he found his stride making sure he takes time to unwind after a long work day. Enjoy as we stumble over our words throughout the conversation while inquiring about Travis's goals and aspirations. We even touch on some lofty goals I have myself for the podcast. Again, I thank you for taking the time to listen to these interviews. Enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Mason and welcome to Flip the Switch, a podcast where we focus on what happens after people turn the switch off from their high performing work days and choose to focus on self-improvement. During the season of Flip the Switch, we will be interviewing people from all walks of life, taking a dive into their mindset, rituals, drives, and piecing together why or how they have ended up where they are at. During these podcasts, the first half will be a casual conversation and allow us to get to know the interviewee. As we continue into the conversation, I'll aim to uncover the secrets, habits, and intentional steps people have taken to achieve their success. My goal is to share this so that you may be able to piece together your own habits to form success down the road. I thank you for choosing to take this journey with me and hope you find value in just one of the interviews. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch. Um, I'm here with a good friend of mine uh, who's actually been one of my best friends for officially over half of my life, which is awesome. Um, I'm excited for this one because there's... A handful of questions that'll come up, I imagine, that we just don't typically talk about. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, Travis Ewert. Uh, like I said, been best friends for just over half our lives. Um, and I'll just go ahead and let him introduce himself and get started. Hey, uh, my name is Travis Ewert. Uh, nice to meet everyone. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Travis, go ahead and let us know a little bit what do you do for a living, things like that. Yeah. Um, I am, God, I just turned 30. Um, and there's a whole story that goes with that. (laughs) Um, so, and I've been teaching, this is my sixth year teaching. Uh, I teach at Ramsey elementary. I've done that my whole career of teaching. Um, that was my first real job, um, out of college. I mean, that's what I went to college for was to be a teacher. I did a few like part-time, like the Starbucks and the Tarbucks or the Tarbucks, which is the Starbucks and target and then target. Um, and then, yeah, so I've been teaching. I taught fourth grade for five years. This is my first year teaching fifth grade. I actually looped up with my class, which means uh, I taught them for fourth grade. And then I kept that same group up and through fifth grade, which was super awesome because with COVID and everything that happened, like having your same group of kids has really been a lifesaver and like not having to like reteach things has been really cool. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I'm, I've always been curious and I don't think we've actually ever like officially had this quite this conversation, uh, which is exactly why I wanted to have this podcast. Uh, what got you 
into teaching? Why, why the, cause you've been pretty set on that yeah. since I've known you high yeah. school. It was, yeah, I'm going to be a teacher. It was just, there was never a deviation from that. Yeah. So where did that start? Oh man, I was actually before this podcast, I was like trying to think about like, I bet he's going to ask me that question. And I was trying to think of an answer. And like, even when you apply for teaching jobs, that's one of the questions I ask you, like, why do you want to be a teacher? Um, and I was being like a hundred percent honest. I really don't know. Um, that was always just something. My mom was a teacher forever since I was a kid. I grew up in Hayden Meadows elementary school. Um, after hours I'd be there playing in the gym. Like that was just teaching was what I knew. I never felt like this insane drawing, uh, towards teaching until high school when you actually start thinking about like your real jobs and we're doing our senior projects and the stuff. classic of what are you going to do next? Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know. My mom's a teacher. I'm going to teach. Uh, and that's kind of what it was. And so the more I kind of like thought about it and like actually processed, what does it mean to be a teacher? At least at that point in time. And like from my perspective, which as a high school kid is kind of like, I just want to be done with school. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, but like the more I kind of did it and thought about it, I was like, this actually kind of makes sense. Like I enjoy being kids. We were in, um, like youth group leaders together. And so we worked a lot with kids and that's always been something that I've been pretty good at is I feel like teaching and like helping people kind of process things. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of said, this is what I'm going to do. And I mean, I've loved it ever since, man. I've now that I look back, I'm like, there was never anything else that I'd rather do. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that because I know a lot of people don't share that same sort of, um, clarity when they're yeah. trying to find a, a career or something they want to jump into and to find that first thing out of the gate and like, love it. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, I was talking uh, with our buddy Nick and he was trying to process what he wanted to do, like what law firm he wanted. And I was like, I go to work and it's not work. I love going to my job. Like I don't wake up stressed. I don't wake up anxious or upset or like, oh, I have to go to work. Cause like, that was the case at like target and Starbucks. Like you'd wake up and go, oh, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> there were, I mean, there were days where you're like, okay, cool. Like I got this. And then, yeah, yeah but there were days where you definitely wake up and you're like, I could just quit. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? <laughs> so for sure. Like I was, and I was talking about that. And like, when you like really think about it, I was like, that's a pretty rare thing in life to have a job that you're like stoked to go to. Yeah. So yeah. Um, just kind of going to going to college and figuring it out and now doing it. It's just, yeah, there's nothing I'd rather do. Yeah. I mean, we just kind of joked about it, but are there any like ugh days? I mean, does it, I mean, either it's days or are there sometimes students that get under your skin. I mean, I would imagine that's, I know I've heard yeah. that before, but is it more of, I guess, focusing on like, are there less than ideal days? Than others. Oh, I mean, we're, we're human for sure. There's definitely less than ideal days. Um, and it definitely depends on your class. I've been blessed, especially since I loop with them. The class that I have now is phenomenal. Like the things that we're able to do in the classroom is so far exceeds like what any other fifth grade classroom I feel like can do. Yeah. I, a lot of times I compare what I'm doing now to how we learned in fifth grade and just like those steps and like, and so it's like not, not with this class. Um, in previous classes, there was a, one student who really challenged me and <laughs> that made it hard. Um, it definitely wasn't like as enjoyable going to work, but I definitely didn't dread it. Yeah. Um, and that could be like the beer goggles, right? Like you look back after the fact and you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. But then like when you're in it, it's like awful. Yeah. So um, I imagine it's, it's tough too, because you can't let 
one kid pull away from the other 28, 29 kids. Yeah. Cause then that's just, there's so much to unwind with that. But like, yeah, I would imagine it's a balance of, okay, like this yeah. kid is this kid and I'm going to somehow navigate around him or th- I mean, help him as much as I can. Yeah. But, and, and there's so much truth to that too. Um, one of the things that's like probably the hardest thing about my profession is you see them and the way that they're acting and the things that they're doing in the classroom. And you're just like, why you be an idiot? Like, why would you choose that action? Like what in the world, why would you want to throw your chair? Like what in the world could possibly be going on that that is your response? And then as the year goes on, um, and you, it's usually around December, January, February, somewhere in that time where you like have About the halfway like, mark. Yeah. Where you finally like know your kids, like you have enough time with them and enough of their backstory. And like the, the most challenging student that I was talking about, like I finally got enough information about his backstory where you just feel for the kid, like his home life garbage. Mom has like four different boyfriends and a kid with each one. Um, he's raising like his younger like sister. Um, and so they're, you, they're fourth and fifth graders. Yeah. Yeah. They're 10. He's a 10 year old. Um, and so, and then you get like, anytime the mom comes in or the, the, one of the boyfriends comes in, um, you see that relationship and like anytime he do something wrong, the immediate reaction was like, almost like I'm going to hit you, but I can't cause I'm on school grounds. And then like that raising of the voice and just yelling and call him stupid. And it's like, I get it. Yeah. Like that is like, I know why you act the way that you do. And so once you hit that part, I think that makes it really hard. Cause it's like, you're still being an idiot and a jerk in the classroom and I can't let that happen. But on that flip coin, I get it. Yeah. You have to somehow show compassion because yeah. sometimes, I mean, we've joked about this in our, in our friend group before, like the way you describe your classrooms and your teaching methods, like I'm pretty sure everybody one time has said like <laughs> the teacher that we wanted yeah. in fourth and fifth grade or that would have made school interesting. Cause I mean, in previous episodes and, and even in just normal conversations, yeah. it's come up and it's like, I just went to school to where like, I know that I need to do this yeah. to get this oh, so I can be done. Yeah. But there are very small times where there was like, okay, like this teacher, like inspired or challenged or like just made it fun. Yeah. And I know that I remember in those classes, not only did I succeed, but there's actually just random shit that I still remember. Yeah. And I know it's because they made it interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's definitely at the forefront of my mind when I'm teaching. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, I don't know if you've heard me say this, I've said it a few different times. Like I try to be the teacher that I wanted. Yeah. Kind of a deal. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely something that I, I, I think about and process when I'm making lessons and like trying to develop that classroom environment. Um, I also use like our friend group a lot as like a baseline. Yeah. Um, when developing lessons. Cause like I look at the schooling that we had and how applicable it is yeah. to like nowadays. And it's kind of like, I mean, we use like fourth and fifth grade math, mm-hmm. to like find a tip <laughs> for yeah. like a bill. Um, but like, it's like realistically, and I had this conversation with my other coworkers, like the curriculum that we teach for the most part, unless it's very job specific yeah, is kind of like, yes, like it really is. And so I really focus on try to do like life skills a mm-hmm. lot more than I would like curriculum skills. Yeah. Um, and so like, I look at your job and I'm like, okay, what is Mason? What is Mason's like primary directive when he works? Talks with others and communication, mm-hmm. like above all else. Yeah. Technology and timetables. Yeah. Like 
that's kind of really what if you break it down to its barest form. Um, and so I'm like, okay, so how can I implement that to children? I'm like, okay, so I come up to them like, hey guys, I have a research project. You have two weeks to get it done. Go. Yeah. And then that's the real life. That's really like when you get a job, that's yeah. what it is. It's like, this is what I want done. Here's when it's done by go have fun. Yeah. And it's like, you're your resources. And yeah. so I think like I use those sorts of like models to really try to build lessons. Um, another thing that really drove me nuts is when we were in class, like how many like actual times could you like just get up and go ask someone a question or like work with someone? Never. Yeah. It was not a thing. It was yeah. like sitting desk you stuff. And so it's like, that's not real life either. Yeah. There's like, so much collaboration. That so happens. much. It's like, who gets on a job where they're on an island and they can't ask for help? There's probably jobs out there, and that's really sad. That is, that would be awful. And most likely, they're entry level jobs. Like, I mean, that's not trying to be that's rude, valid. but like, that's true. So, I mean, again, I use you guys as reference. I'm like, imagine if Kelsey, who is a dental hygienist, your wife, and she was like, I don't know what to do with this tooth. Just shrugs it off. Yeah, just shrugs it off. That doesn't happen. But what she's gonna do? She's gonna go find the dentist or another hygienist. Like she's gonna get resources and use help. And it's just like, why were we not teaching kids to do that? Yeah, it's absurd yeah. to me. Powerful. So, well, one thing that <clears throat> I've actually really found fascinating is you mentioned earlier that you're doing right now is you call it looping with your kids. Yeah. So you started with them last year; they mm -hmm. were fourth graders. This year, you have the same class, but you're now technically teaching fifth grade. Yeah. Um, I thought that was awesome hearing yeah. for the first time and definitely something that I think would have, I mean, especially if you clicked with the teacher, it, like you could just exponentially compound because mm -hmm. there's no, like you kind of touched on earlier, there's no awkward learning phase. It's yeah. like, I would imagine you come in in September, they know who you are. There's no like feel getting feelers out there. It's more of like, all right, let's get started and yeah. like, let's kickstart this. So yeah. could you just explain a little bit about what looping is, but then also like if they're like the benefits that you see yeah. and why you enjoy doing it? Yeah. Um, well, again, I mentioned that this has been hands down my best class. So for being my first looping experience, like it's I'm just downhill from there. Yeah, it really is. And so I was like, I'm super thankful. And you like pretty much nailed all the benefits to looping on the head. Um, I came in in September and like, this was a just crappy year to begin with. And so to have my same kids know my expectations already have relationships with them coming into this has made all the difference in the world. I yeah. feel for all the teachers who had to like try to develop communities and relationships, yeah. learn their kids. Cause yeah. like, like you touched on, like right now there is that, that pandemic feeling that out. And I mean, who knows how long this is going to kind of like happen, but yeah, like you, like you said, it's one of those where they had to learn and mm -hmm. meet their class virtually, which it's already hard enough to meet fourth graders or fifth graders for the first time in September. So I can't imagine like, all right, turn your screen on, oh, introduce yourself. Yeah. Pay attention please. And they're oh. like, Talk about sucking the joy out of teaching, dude. When from March of last year until the end of the year, when we had to do that just all online because we didn't know about any of this, I told Amy, I was like, if I have to teach all next year like this, I'm quitting. Like that is not what being a teacher is. It does not work at all. Yeah. Um, good news is job security because like mostly people that are noticing all online kids are getting horrible test scores. So I mean that's nice, but anyway. I digress. We're getting yeah. off topic. <laughs> Sorry. So back to back to the looping and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's that? What's that like? Oh, um, it's super awesome. I think right now where my brain is at, um, cause looping is a consistent thing. Um, and so I have my looping partner who is the person who swaps places with me in the grade level. Um, and it's, you, you know, Scott Bush. Yep. Yeah. So it's Scott. Um, and so he's taking his class up next year and I'm going back to fourth grade to get a new bunch, but the places that my kids are now, um, 
just academically and as people and like the things that just happen in my classroom naturally, I take for granted and I know that I do. And so I'm trying to process like, how am I going to go back to fourth grade and like re-grab kids? Yeah. Cause like the jump from beginning of fourth grade, which is like they're nine till now is so big, like maturity wise. Yeah. It's like the other babies. So I've been really, that's been my goal. This, like this last month is like, how do I replicate this year so that I can get my kids here sooner, faster? Yeah. Um, this is like, I mean, there are things that in my classroom that just are so like fluid. Like I'll come in, in the morning and I legit, like, I don't know if you, you've heard these stories, but like I wander through different classrooms all the time because my kids can take care of themselves. Like they, they're learning, they're doing their thing. So I'm like, oh, like. I'm gonna go see what other teachers are doing. I'm gonna spend 15 minutes and just kind of wander and kind of wander and get some ideas or see if someone needs help because it's like my kids can do it. They don't need me there to learn. There's like I could leave in the classroom. Like I I fully know if I leave the classroom for 10 minutes and come back, nothing will have changed. Yeah, it's not gonna be a dumpster fire and like the classic like yeah TV shows where like teacher leaves and the kids just like look at each other grin and like destroy everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And maybe in the very beginning when they were like, Oh, we have this freedom, but like through like lots of training and, and teaching. And, and it's not like the first day you're like, all right guys, I'm going to be gone for 10 minutes. Have fun. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. This is year two, uh, with fifth graders for sure. And then like in the mornings and stuff, when they come in, I don't do anything. And I mean that in the most positive, like way, like I've released control. Cause I really try to work towards like a student led classroom. Cause I really should just be a facilitator. Right. Like yeah. I should be there to help you problem solve if you're stuck or to guide your thinking and set like, hey, like this is what we're going to learn about. But like within that, like kids are so much more capable. And so like I'll come in in the morning um, and I'll sit down and the kids will they look at the clock. And when it's time, they come to the floor. Yeah. I have a set of students that say good morning to everybody. They do attendance. They do lunch count. They say, all right, like, here's our schedule for today. They talk about it. They, if there's any questions or anything they want to talk about, they bring it up at that time. Um, and then they watch the clock and we have um, specials for things like PE music, art. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we should probably get going. Or, ooh, we ran a little bit late. Let's, let's hurry up. Or, hey, we got extra time. Like, you guys want to share what happened on your weekend? That all exists without me. Yeah. I legit just sit on the floor and kind of like observe this thing happening. Well, and it's, that's, First off, incredible, but like, like you touched on earlier, that's setting them up for the future yeah. like exponentially. Yeah. And I know you mentioned in the beginning, you've only been doing this for a handful of years, but like you've yet to even scratch the surface of what those fruits are yeah. because one, this is your first looping, Yeah. but two, like they're going to be so much further ahead. Like you said, in the stuff that is going to help them down the road, the, the communication, the problem solving, the being a collaborative mm-hmm. person to where from what I experienced in school, it was sitting down, teacher opened a book and literally read this paragraph that it says, read this paragraph for this lesson. Yeah. And like I said, the classes where I did connect with it was that more collaboration, but not to the degree that you're talking about. So yeah. for them as nine, nine and 10 year olds, yeah. like that's huge. Like yeah. that we I mean, I imagine there's other schools that have done this before, but as of right now, like, like I said, where there's yet to be that true, like what that's going to mean for them down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something I'm curious about too. Um, cause I've just like each year I'm not a static teacher. Yeah. Like I don't rehash lesson lessons. I don't like reuse the same stuff. I and mean, there are some things that I use, but I like update or I like change, you know, to fit what's going on. Um, 
but yeah, like I always hear teachers from or kids from my very first year of teaching and they're like, you're my favorite teacher. And on my first thought is like, I am so sorry because yeah. my first year of teaching was a dumpster fire. And like, I look back at that and I'm like, how did I not get fired? And even my second year, I'm like, I, it wasn't until my third year that I actually felt like kind of confident. And even yeah. that wasn't like what I'm doing now. And like, I have siblings and so like they get to see the difference. So yeah, I like with the looping and everything, like I felt like I was doing a good job then. I want to see the payoff from these guys. Yeah. Cause this is the first, like the rear I'm like, I like I nailed it. Yeah. I feel really confident with this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that kind of ties into one, why I wanted you have on this podcast. Cause like you're always tr trying to improve yourself, uh, from a professional standpoint. And I think it's important to just realize that there's always something that you can do better. Yeah. And that kind of leads into the question that I had initially, you can't touch on it there, but I'm used to, again, the teacher that's stagnant, and there's not a lot of innovation and yeah. you can just tell like, this is what they're doing every day, year in and year out. So what are, what are some things that you like to pull out? I mean, you've touched on it too, but or already, but what are some things that you kind of have pulled out out of the ordinary to implement lessons that were pretty common or pretty standard yeah. before this? Um, I feel like the more I kind of teach, the more I realize that, and I kind of hit this before that students are so much more capable then we really give them credit for. Yeah. Um, and my biggest philosophy is like a student led classroom. Like I'm going to let them take control and let them run the show as, I mean, as much as feasibly possible yeah. for, again, you're not like the first day, like, all right, yeah. what you do, have fun and kick yeah. your feet but back. It's like, Hey guys here, like for instance, we just did a, um, a lesson on chemical testing on animals. And our essential question was, is it all right if it saves human lives? So like that was what we were pondering. We were saying, can we test on animals if we're getting like positive results to save human lives? And yeah. it's like, it's a big question. There's not really a right answer. Um, and so it was like, here are three articles that I found, um, one that's for animal testing, one that's pretty neutral, and one that's for against animal testing. And we're gonna have a discussion about this in a day. So you have today and tomorrow to read the articles, to annotate, um, talk with your friends, and we'll come back and we'll just talk about it yeah, like have a conversation yeah it's literally a conversation there's no like it's not like a test it's not going to be uh, a graded assignment there's not even like written questions it's literally just going to be we're going to sit down and we're going to hash this out and just kind of see where everyone's at um and so i sent them off and it's like the the things that happen when you just kind of release control innately will change from year to year with your group of kids yeah so like you were talking about how do i innovate and how do i keep things fresh it's like give them control you're going to naturally see deviation. And then from there, any good teacher is going to be able to watch that and be like, oh, I see what they're doing, or this is where they need help, or like this is like holes we're having or things we're doing well. And then that kind of guides your lesson. Um, but yeah, then it's like they sat down and then the things you get from it too are just absurd. Cause it's like, I had one of my students um, come to me <clears throat> and they were like, um, I'm noticing a discrepancy in the number of animals that this article says and this article says. And I was like, Okay, like what does that tell you? And we're like, this one says a hundred million animals suffered in the US last year. And that was the against animal testing one. And this one is a little more scientific and it says 26 million were tested on. And I was like, okay, so what are you noticing? And I was like, well, the one with the hundred million didn't say tested on, they said suffered versus tested on. It's like, okay, like keep going. And like, well, 
maybe those animals weren't tested on. So maybe they're trying to make us believe something. I was like, yeah, because that article was from PETA. And so they're 100% playing on your emotions. And yeah. it's like, they are. And I was like, how much actual like scientific data sat in that the against animal testing? They're like, not a lot. It was mostly just emotion based. And I was like, yeah, that's a very powerful argument though. Yeah. And so like the fact that an 11 year old extrapolated that is crazy because there's, let's be honest, there's not a lot of adults that do that. If you just scroll on Facebook and absurd, yeah, I know. And then, so I, I was like, that's one of those proud teacher moments where you're like, it's working. Yeah. Kind of a deal. And they brought that up. And so anyway, so we were, that was our lesson. We got to the car, uh, this carpet. And so then we had the conversation and they brought that up and like, I work really hard to have like an open forum where the kids just sit in a circle and like, yeah, you talk. And then when you're done, someone jumps in. And if you have like four or five people kind of jumping at the same time, you make space for it. And so an adult, like, I mean, it, it would be hard for adults to have a 30 person conversation, but they do a, a lot better job than we do. Yeah. And they talked about it and it was just a really solid, like in-depth conversation that the kids had about animal testing. Yeah. And again, that's, I mean, from seeing those emotional polls to scientific yeah. statements, like that, if that's the only thing they get from it, yeah, that's huge. I know. Right. And so. it's like, I was like, that was it. Like you learned, that was the, that was what you, that was what you learned. That was yeah. the lesson. And you can't, you can't put a grade on it. Nope. You can't, you can't give them plus five for their daily participation. Yeah. But like, you know that that little thing right there is exponentially yeah. going to help them. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. down the road, just because they, they thought about it when they were in fourth and fifth grade. Yeah. So what was it like? I mean, you said you're kind of wanting to be the facilitator, but there has to be that sense of hesitation when you first start doing it. I mean, I don't know if it's every time, but especially in the beginning, like you said, mm -hmm. every year you were learning and trying to get better. What was it like those first couple of times releasing that control? Because again, if you ask any teacher, like that's not a common, yeah. Oh yeah, I just, I facilitate. Like I wouldn't imagine a lot of teachers say that in regards to how they lead their classroom. Yeah. So what was it like taking that step or yeah. was there hesitation? Were there things that you had to like overcome either internally or just from other teachers? Like doubting that that would work. Yeah. Um, so I think it was my third year teaching and coincidence that I said, I really felt like I kind of nailed it. We did do a book study. It was called teach like a pirate. And it was a pretty short book that we had to read, but I would say out of all the books that I've done probably like read 20 or 30 different like teaching books throughout my six years of like different pedagogies and different ideas and philosophies. And it's kind of like that one really kind of resonated with me and it, had this idea of what's called a silent day and it's still something that I implement and it's something that's very structured and it starts off and I'm very clear with my expectations. Like this is what's going to happen. Um, and it's basically like try to go a whole day without saying a word as a teacher, let the kids just run the day. And that's kind of been the stem of this student led classroom. Um, and you're right. Like it doesn't start off at the very beginning with just go. Um, it's usually like, hey, I'm going to let you guys run the morning and I'm not going to say a word. And this will happen after a month or two. And so they, they've seen the routine, like they've seen how things flow, how I want them. They've experienced the expectations. And yes. Yeah. And like go. And the hardest part, especially like as a teacher is to like when they mess up, not save them, which I mean, it's parenting too, right? Like you watch your kid and you're like, you're going to learn from this and it's going to suck because you're going to cry. But like. I know that there's a lesson there. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with teaching. It's like, I can already see the students who are going to cause issues. I can see where you're going to falter, 
but that's not for me to correct right now. Yeah. It's more about let it happen. And then afterwards, let's talk about it and say what succeeded, what didn't and why, and then hash it out. And then, okay, it's like, well, let's, we're going to try again tomorrow, but now we know those things that we want to work on. Um, I would say like, that's kind of how it is as far as <laughs> other teachers getting on board or thinking how it's going to work. Um, the first time I did it, like people thought I was crazy. <laughs> and I was like, it was in a book study. We literally read about this. They're like, yeah, no. Um, but and again, I, like for people that don't know you, yeah. that, I mean, for you to do things that are a little, not, I guess, I don't know if out of left field is the right word, but yeah. like out of the ordinary yeah. is very ordinary for you. It's true. It's true. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to try it and like see how it goes. And I really fell in love with that idea. And so yeah. as I've gotten better at it, it's been a really good like marker for other teachers. And so like I have teachers come in and see it and like I've talked about it. And so now it's a lot more commonplace and I share because I'm much more successful just cause I've had more time with this and like I've seen what works and doesn't. Now I have the ability to like, if another teacher wants to try this, it's like, Hey, like I'd be happy to give you some pointers or like, these are my steps to doing it. Um, so it's been, yeah, at first there were haters, but there always is. If you're trying something new, like that's oh, yeah. just the way it is. And it's like, like, again, it's out of left field and it's not normal. Yeah. Cause when you think of being a teacher, like you're leading the classroom, like you said, yeah. but you like to see it as a facilitator. So oh, I'm really bummed. I just forgot the question that I was going to ask. <laughs> that's okay. Um, Ooh, I wanted to point out something. I mean, we were talking before about how we learned as like from textbooks. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I have, I wouldn't call it a punishment in my classroom. It's more like a reminder. Um, I call it textbook days. It's very like teacher slash parent. I wouldn't call it a punishment. It's a, it's a reminder. It's a reminder. Um, yeah, I call them textbook days. And so like, it's not, again, it's not a punishment. And I talked to him. I'm very clear about this. I'm like, I do a lot, so much extra in my classroom compared to like the normal classroom. And it's like, let me just show you how I learned. Yeah. So I'm not, not teaching. I'm not punishing them in any facet. It's literally just you guys sometimes they're kids and this is going to happen. And so it's yeah. not like I'm mad about it. It's just like, let me show you, this is, this is how I learned. And so I want like, if you take advantage of the way I'm doing things, we can just go back to how I did it. And yeah. so it's like, you're going to sit down, you're not going to work with your partner. You're going to read out of a textbook. When you're done, you read out of your book. And, and that's, that's all it. day. You don't get like, I have nice bistro lights all throughout my classroom. So like we never use the fluorescence cause those things are the worst. They're awful. They're horrible. Um, but I turn the fluorescence back on. I always have music playing constantly cause ADD like that helps, but nope, that don't get music either. So, and it's just very bright and like calm and like you hear the, and it's just awful. Ugh. It's worse for me on textbook days. It really is. Cause I don't do anything. I just stand up and walk around. Oh, nope. You can't talk. Nope. You can't go to the bathroom yet. Wait for recess. Right. And it's, that's how we learn. It makes me shudder. I know, right? Like that the PTSD of us in elementary school is kind of coming out. But, um, and yeah, so like, and kids hate it. They go, did you actually learn that way? I was like, yeah, for 12 years. And they're like, oh my God. I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> and that's usually the response, right? It's usually like, okay, we're sorry. We took advantage. And it's like, that's okay. Like lesson learned. Like, you know how things could be. And yeah. like all the extra work I put in. So like. Just don't take advantage. Yeah. And usually that works. They still need one, a, a textbook day once every three or four months. Well, and again, like it's yet another thing where <clears throat> they're in fourth and fifth grade. And so having those slip ups, having those textbook days, yeah. like corrections or punishments or just like reverting back to like 
they have to experience the consequences. Yeah. Like it's so much better for them to f- experience that and see that in a school setting to where the quote unquote punishment is just a textbook day right. instead of them going 12 years yeah. and getting to their first job and messing up or talking out of line and getting fired. And yeah. they're like, well, crap, what do I do? Yeah. Like, not to say like that's what people experience, but an easy example of the stuff that they're experiencing in that classroom are very world applicable. Mm-hmm. And again, could be stuff that they learned where, Oh, like I know the structure I'm supposed to do and within the furthest job. And if I step out of line, like there are consequences that mm-hmm. I don't like. And if anything, like they're just going to think about, Oh, well, hopefully they think about <laughs> back and forth or fifth grade experiencing what could be like, yeah, I have to think about what could be if I mess up here. Okay. I don't want that. I should figure out how to like do my best. Yeah. And so that's again, just completely different from what the way we learn. Oh, hundred percent. And again, like that's, that's the forefront. Like that's my goals. Like the education that they get is so not what is going to be used in the real world. Yeah. And so it's like, well, my goal is to teach you and to help you learn. Yeah. Those are what you should be learning truthfully. Yeah. And in the process, if you also learn how to long divide, like fantastic, because that helps me as a teacher, but long division helped us in that escape room. That's true. That's probably the last (laughs) time I did like some heavy, like heavy, some hardcore math, like written out because we have phones, calculators, but like in an escape room, we had to like write it out and stuff. You're right. Had to and it hurt things like the associative property out. And I was <laughs> like, like, I oh felt, Lord. felt my brain just be like <laughs> unlocking this door. It's like creaked and like cobwebs. It's like <laughs> mad. <laughs> oh God, just, you monster. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, um, we've talked about this, but playing the curiosity yeah. interviewer. Um, so you've kind of touched on a little bit, but your class is fifth graders. They're going to move on next year. Yeah. So when you go back to fourth grade, are you just in this looping process now, is it a, is it a yearly thing that you have to like make sure that you have a, a teacher to loop with? Mm-hmm. What's that like now that you've had one year or yeah. do you even know yet? Um, as far as I understand, this is my first year. So, I mean, not a whole lot of teachers have done this. Not definitely not a new thing, but not a common thing. Um, as long as Scott is still on board, like, and I have my partner, we're good. So that is kind of an indefinite thing. Gotcha. One of us says we don't want to do it anymore or goes and works in a different school. So, yeah. But with the results that I've seen this year, I can't imagine not looping. Yeah. Like year two is just awesome. It's so good. Yeah. What are, what's the maybe most out of left field thing you've brought into the classroom for a teaching purpose? So like, uh, yeah. Or even like your favorite one or one that you like, yeah. Or I'm, I'm the follow-up question. I'll save that. But yeah, what's, what's the best one that, or oh, that you've enjoyed the most? I, there's a lot of unique things that I, I implement into the classroom. Um, being a male in elementary definitely has its advantages. Um, and I hear about them all the time. Uh, Lucy Clifford, who's been my teaching partner since the get-go, she's an awesome collaborator, um, always comes to me and she's like, I hate that you can do those things and I can't. For example... I am not a big believer in sending kids to the principal's office. Like, bar, like, punching a kid in the face and, like, okay, like, you probably should. But, like, just, like, the normal transgressions that happen in a classroom, you build so much more relationship by taking care of it with the kid yourself than, like, passing that off to someone else. And that's not always the case, but, like, 95% of the things in the classroom you should be able to handle. Yeah. So I have, <clears throat> my first year, I made what's called the oopsie bucket. And the oopsie bucket is sometimes kids just make, you know, an oopsie, like they just made a bad choice. And so the bucket usually is there to help remind them 
Yeah. How that they probably didn't want to make that choice again. And inside the oopsie bucket is just a bunch of folded up piece of paper and a bunch of different um, natural consequences to making bad decisions. So there's things like writing sentences or like doing some definitions. Um, but then I started to get more creative. I was like, those are kind of like old school punishments. Like what could I do that is like, doesn't make a kid want to hate school, but also doesn't make them want to do that same thing. Yeah, that doesn't make them check out or doesn't yeah. like, doesn't go too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, a few of the ones I started to add in there is, and this is one of my favorite ones because every kid thinks it's so easy. I simply say, you don't get a chair for the day. That sounds awful. <laughs> and it's like, so at like lunch and at recess, feel free to sit down. But like while you're in the classroom, you don't, you don't get to sit. You have to stand the whole time. And every kid, because they think they're caught, especially the boys, I got this, Mr. Stewart. Okay, you got it. And so like, it's like, hey guys, it's like time to do silent reading. And so like, they'll have to spend 30 minutes like reading other books. But like, have you ever tried to read standing? It's gross. It's awful. And then the other option is, okay, well, you can put the book on a desk, but then you're like bent over at that weird angle. They're like awkward, like hands on the desk. Yeah. And you're just like, you're trying to like lean on your elbows. Yeah. And the elbows there is no the, comfortable position. Yeah. Mr. Stewart, can I like, like sit on my knees? No, you just gotta stand. You had so much energy. You were talking to everyone. I figured like you could just stand, like help get some of that energy out. So that's the, that's the one. Um, the one that gets pulled all the time um, is exercise with Mr. Ewart. Um, so like their last their last recess, we go outside and I just take them through like a nice like exercise routine because they have so much extra energy and I just want to like course facilitate that usage of that energy. And so we usually run sprints and do burpees and push-ups. And I mean, I my goal is to make kids cry. It usually happens once a year, twice a year. It's very like sports coach. <clears throat> Immediately makes me think of the, we're going to go until I'm tired. <laughs> Co coach, coach, you're not running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think the funniest, especially in fourth grade, you always get the same response. Oh, exercise. Like I play sports. I'll be fine. And I'm like, okay. And so we can come out and it's always the first kid. It takes one and you run that kid ragged. And then he comes back and he goes, don't do that. Don't get, don't get that one. The exercise was hard. And you see like sweat beating down and he's like one tear that he's trying to hide is just like falling. He's like, it was sweat. And it's like, okay, Timmy. <laughs> like, but then like it, once they see that, like, okay, we don't want the oopsie bucket. Like it's the fear of God being then a lot better. Yeah. I have another question, but you have expressed that there was one time though, was it a sprint or was it a workout sesh where you almost stumbled with the, with the sprinting. Oh, when I, wow, me. Yeah. Where oh, you almost. Okay. So, uh, as you get more comfortable with your kids, right, they start like trying to push the boundaries and in good ways. And so this is with the group of kids I have now, but it was in fourth grade with them. And I had one girl love her to death. She came up to me and she's like, I think I'm faster than you, Miss Stewart. I'm like, I like, I get that. I'm big and fat. Like I'm an old teacher. Like, sure. You can probably beat me in a foot race. She's like, if I beat you to the fence, you have to do exercise from the oopsie bucket and I get to do it. And I was like, all right, like I could, uh, <laughs> a, li a little nervous, but not bad. I was in like nice dress pants and like dress shoes, but like, I, I still got it. So I was like, I'm going right. to lose to a fourth grader. I can't lose to a, a fourth grader. <laughs> so I was like, all right, but if I win, you have to do the two days of oopsie bucket exercise. She's like, deal. Didn't even hesitate. I was like, oh no. So we get ready and 
we're going. And about three quarters of the way there, my hammy just tightens up and knots into a cramp and I legit can't like walk. So I had like a decent like head start on her, but like it didn't matter. And so she beats me. She's like, whoa. And she's flexing and like stomping around like LeBron James and kids all around the schoolyard are coming to watch. And as I'm like gimping around, she's like exercise. Mr. I was like, Charlie, I can hardly walk right now. Like I couldn't even like put pressure on my hamstring. It was so, it was the cramp on there was so bad. Um, and I had to spend like the rest of the afternoon, like massaging and like trying to like stretch it out. Oh, that was, that was rough. I just immediately think of the <clears throat> whatever pirate movie with Tom Hanks. Yeah. And the guy's like, I'm the captain now. <laughs> I'm the captain now. Yeah. And that was, yeah, she got her exercise though. Was it hard? Her exercise? Yeah. No, it wasn't hard. It sucked because I got all sweaty. Yeah. But other than that, it wasn't hard. It was just do 10 pushups, Mr. And of course you got to put on a show. Yeah. <sighs> but I mean, it was, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fourth grade trying to think of like hard workouts that yeah. they haven't experienced in high school two a days, but yeah, right. I was like, you got nothing. <laughs> I've done two days in August. With yeah. Full pads, full pads. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I think what's always really funny too, and it, it ends up building really good community in the end. Yeah. But, um, for whatever reason, when one kid has to do exercise, like there's always at least five to 10 kids who want to do it with them. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, okay. Which is awesome. Cause it's like, they want to like support and like do it with you. Um, but I think it's funny cause you can always ask them, which is harder doing it when you have to or doing it when you want to. Oh, when you have to. Oh yeah. And it's cause it's like the people that are doing it with them, they'll take shifts like, Ooh, burpees. <sighs> I'm going to check out for that. One. I'm going to go ahead and watch. You want to like, oh, and they'll sprint to the fence. Like, why are you going slow? I just did 25 burpees. <laughs> so that's always fun. Yeah. So um, get stepping outside of the classroom. Yeah. Um, what are, I mean, what are some activities that you do to relax, unwind? Like what are your go-tos yeah. after you quote unquote clock out for the day? Um, I'm pretty, pretty good about carton pen carp part putting different things into different boxes. <laughs> uh, so like I, I work really hard to like leave school at the door. Yeah. Um, I usually don't, I get in early to get stuff done, but like I don't do a whole lot of schoolwork outside of school. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely any sort of video game is awesome for me to mentally just kind of check out. Um, especially when you have harder classes just to like zone out, go kill some stuff. Uh, is this really for me a good way to kind of just peace out. Um, but I'm also a big sports guy. Yeah. Like the gym, basketball, anything I can do that's active, softball, golf. Those are all like my go-tos. If I can, yeah. if I can get to the gym or like basketball on Wednesdays is like awesome. Yeah. So those would be my, my checkouts. I know it's nothing like deep and profound, but no. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. I'm, I'm pretty good about leaving at the door. I mean, realistically, you touch on a lot of stuff that doesn't, doesn't require a whole lot of like deep cognitive, cognitive function. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way either, but it's more of like you're investing into kids yeah. all day. Like, and that's mostly from the brain Yeah, to where you really don't want to use it if you don't have to yeah. much of afterwards. So it's just other things can, you can just kind of like zone out. Yeah. hundred so. percent. That's, that's the goal is just to kind of zone out. I mean, it's more so just doing something you enjoy. Yeah. Uh, what are, I mean, you can't touch on it. So sports were a big thing. Um, Talk a little bit about, I mean, did you play sports in high school? Um, 
what was that like? Yeah. I mean, have you always been a sports guy or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Both my, my mom and my dad were super big into sports. They never forced me in anything, but it was kind of that natural. I've always been pretty naturally athletic with most of the things that I do. So things came naturally. Um, I loved playing football. Um, I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but not putting forth the effort in high school sports is probably one of my few being naturally gifted. That's one of the things that's like you just take for advantage. Like, Oh, I'm good. I don't need to put like, yeah, put in the hours and grind. And, um, but yeah, so I, I've always grown up playing sports and doing the playing the tracks and the basketballs and the footballs. Um, couldn't have good enough eyesight to play baseball. So <laughs> pass that one off when I was young. Uh, when the ball started going like throwing at you at 70 plus miles yeah. an hour. Yeah. I would imagine it's kind of like, no, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm all right. I'll just uh, take on Billy over there. who's 300 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> at least I can see him. Yeah. No, I mean, definitely that's something that uh, we share too is in regards to like, it's such a weird perspective to be like, not that, I mean, either of us may or may not have gone to like the collegiate yeah. level, but we're both in the same regards of like sports do come easier. Yeah. And so it's like, you look back and I mean, I even remember a couple of kids ba- who are basketball players pretty much saying the same thing. Like they stopped playing because of the coach, Yeah, but they were really good. And it's like, yeah. not, I mean, who knows what could have been with them, but yeah. there were definitely times where I'm like, ugh, like if I would have, if I would have pushed for a position, if I would have mm-hmm. gone in on the off days, if I would have done this or that, like who knows? Yeah. And what could have been, it's just more of like, it's definitely that person perception or perspective shift of like now as we're parents, yeah, it's like, okay, like I want to instill some sort of like higher working value in that. But uh-huh. I also want to be the helicopter parent of like, you're going to do this and you're going to enjoy and you're going to like it. It's like, <laughs> you're going to be amazing. That's the other way. And it's going to, that's the other side of it. It's going to kill it. Yeah. But you want to like, yeah. What's that like, middle ground? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you be like, Oh, like you're really good at this, but you're kind of coasting. Yeah. And not that, you have to like get to the next level, but you could. Yeah. But I'm not going to force feed it. Yeah. I think is yeah. that weird. And that's the essence of teaching. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. It's like, you're really good at this. How do I push you without breaking you or you struggle? How do I make you better without breaking you? Yeah. I mean, and that's what sports comes down to too. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Each kid's different, which sucks. I wish there was yeah. one answer that you could just like use, but there's not. Yeah. I know there's lots of things though. Like in, high school, my diet was awful and I didn't even start using protein until college. And yeah. so it's like stuff like that. It's like, I don't know. I guess the thought is like, what, what are you going to instill in your kid? Yeah. So like for Xander, like if you were to think of like, okay, where, where I struggled at was this, do you see that same thing in him? Or are you like, just gonna let him go and do it and figure it out? I think like my biggest thing, or I would say like one of my bigger hindrances, especially in high school, but like I wasn't I wasn't popular with the coaches mm-hmm. when it came to football, especially. Yeah. And so I didn't really like push or have the ability to just kind of like play the position I wanted. Like yeah. if, I, if I was to, <laughs> yeah, you were a defensive. End I was a def- defensive like end. One fifty, and so, I was like, oh, honey. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when from the junior to senior year is when like I feel like obviously everybody kind of hit their spot of what they were going to be. Yeah. And I went to one ninety. Yeah. And again, as a defensive end, like you got to be pushing like two fifty or something. Yeah. So like I just got really lean. And if I was actually playing where I would have, or I wanted to, like, cause I talked about it, like whenever yeah. we played pickup football, it was always like receiver mm-hmm. or like Even a small a tight end, but, backer. yeah, or a linebacker or anything like that. And so it's one of those things where I definitely see as of right now, Xander's a little, a, a little, a lot more outgoing and a, like risk taker than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm hoping that that'll kind of translate to like 
And then through my parenting and Kelsey's parenting of like, Hey, if like you see something that you want and you're not getting it, like, what are you going to do about it? Not yeah. like advocating push him to go get it. But yeah, like, cause yeah. I, all I would have had to do is go into the co- coach's room, mm-hmm. sophomore year, be like, Hey, I want to be a receiver. What do I yeah. have to do to do that? And I yeah. would have, we would have sat down. I would have probably stayed after practice and talked to him more. Mm-hmm. I probably would have hung out with the quarterback and the backup quarterback, like it before, after practice and like just run routes yeah. and just gotten better with that connection. Yeah. I would have come in in the mornings for the receiver drills that they were doing in the gym that I yeah. would walk in and like watch them do. Yeah. Cause they were there. Oh, half as a lineman, me. I was so jealous of those. I was like, that looks so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, it's those things where like just seeing those opportunities. And back then it was like, meh, those are kind of the small differences. And again, like I don't see myself of mating the collegiate jump as a yeah. receiver, but yeah, it's one of those things where who knows what kind of lessons or what would have happened type True. of thing. But those things also compound exponentially because it's yeah. like, all right, you talk to the coach, you get the position you want. Now you try harder. Yeah. Now you invest in protein. Now you're working on extra. You might add on an extra 10, 15 pounds of lean muscle. And then it's like that literally could shift like that one thing yeah. your entire life. So maybe it would have been collegiate at that point because you would have had the skills and then like the body tone for yeah. that. Like, I don't know. I You can go down a rabbit hole. Oh, about for sure. All those things. It's crazy. Well, and it's like, like you kind of touched on, like we were, I mean, especially when we were in high school, because there's been so many advances and jumps of like efficiency from nutrition to workout. But like, I remember when that junior, that junior to sophomore senior jump, it was like, okay, how do I gain weight or how mm-hmm. do I put on weight? It was like, just eat everything. So yeah. I was like, people and jelly, yeah. full oh, boxes yeah. of cereal, uh-huh. gallons of milk, pancakes, spaghetti, like yeah. whatever. And Luckily with you have, when you have that metabolism of an 18 year old, like it doesn't matter what you put in your body, you're going to, it's going to metabolize it all. You're going to use it somehow. But yeah, back then it was like knowing what we know now, like it would have just been a completely game changer. And it's like, yeah, we now understand why there's 18 year olds just yoked out of their mind and running four or five forties and ready to play the NFL after one year of college because because steroids. They're literally, <laughs> no, they're literally doing what we should have known. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm with you. And that's, I mean, all the things you kind of hit on, that's the sort of thing that, like, I bring to the classroom. Yeah. Is that same, like, background knowledge and, like, all right, like, how do we get this to be the most efficient thing possible? Yeah. And I don't know. I agree with you. Well, again, yeah, compounding. I mean, like we said earlier, it's one of the things to where they're learning so much earlier than a lot of other kids. Yeah. That whether it's critical thinking, mm-hmm. it's being able to research, it's being able to articulate, it's be able to have a conversation, it's be able to advocate for what they, for what they want at yeah. times, I would imagine, to where like they're going to be set up for when they do hit those initial adversities, yeah. things like that, to where they can go, okay, I'm, I'm hitting a wall of adversity. Yeah. How can I work critically look at this and then articulately work through? Yeah, work yeah. through it and get, either get what I want or experience some sort of conclusion rather than sitting here like, Oh yeah, there's a lot of what ifs. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I know I had a student come to me. So like at this point they're making that jump to middle school, which is a pretty big jump. Yeah. Um, and especially coming from like my classroom, cause most middle school is going to be pretty much how we remember middle school. Here's a textbook, sterile lights for the most part. I mean, buzzing. there might be some deviation, but it's going to be set around that. Um, and one of my students go, uh, was going to go to charter and, Charter is known for having a pretty hefty workload. Yeah. And he was like, went to the orientation and he came back and he was like, Mr. I just went to charter. And I was like, like the orientation is like, yeah, what's up? He's like, I am so ready for charter. And I was like, 
I mean, that's awesome. But like, do you want to like expand that thinking? He's like, yeah, you were talking about like, um, time management being important. He's like, I'm so good at time management because of you. Like I will never have homework at all. And I was like, well, I mean, that's awesome. Cause he's like, they have a study hall period. He's like, yeah, I just use that in my class time wisely. I'm never going to have homework and charter is going to be easy. And I was like, well, that's awesome that you have that mindset. And I really hope that that's the way that works out. Cause like, that's amazing for a 10 year old to like recognize, like, yeah, I have the time management skills to get these projects done and then like not have to worry about anything. And I was like, Oh, like that. I mean, when you think of like, there was a lot of days and weeks where it's like, Oh, I just, I played video games for six hours after school. And then the two days before project, I'm like, all right, here are those long nights. Right. But I had two weeks of classroom time and all this time after school, (laughs) I could have already been done. (laughs) Could have been done. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope that carries off. Cause like what? I don't know. I hope, I hope something sticks. Yeah. It's hard to know what will, but I mean, those small little things like that. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, again, it's a fifth grader being confident, but you hope that it's not just overly confident. Yeah. It's truly like, yeah, he's gonna be able to put into practice having the class time, having the study hall. Yeah. And then hopefully he's the kid that's running around playing video games, playing outside yeah. while all of his other friends are like, how do you have so much time? Yeah. So, cause then that's, I mean, that's a whole other exponential influence where like he's talking to his friends of like, guys, if you just do your work here and then do your work in the yeah. study hall. We have all this extra time. Yeah, it like, exists. It's there. So <laughs> I'm experiencing it. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. That's really cool. Um, so as we kind of get close to the end, uh, yeah. I like to do this in regards to, so again, as I have said before, I have people fill out a small questionnaire just to kind of give me an idea of kind of where their mind's at, but also some questions I like to bring up. Um, and so the first one is, uh, what's it mean to be a high achiever to you? And so we've touched on it a little bit, I would say throughout this conversation, but again, I'm just going to read it and then just kind of, uh, have you expand on it a little bit yeah. and then have a couple questions. So you said personally, high achiever, personally, a high achiever is one who goes beyond the written expectations of their job for the betterment of themselves and those around them to be recognized for your skill and sought out for advice and counsel within your field. I think everything that you've, ex- that you've expressed during this conversation, I mean, hits that yeah. on the head in regards to like, you realize or you see that to be a high achiever, you have to realize that it's bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. And so um, do you, I mean, again, this kind of goes back to one of my first questions, but do you have an idea of kind of where that was fostered? I mean, you kind of brushed on like, you always just kind of wanted to be a teacher and there was no like aha moment, but like, I feel like with the high achiever mentality, it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, Honestly, and whether this is actually true or not, this was like my perceived space. I always felt like an underdog in pretty much all the things. Um, and so my first year teaching, like I said, was just not good. How uh, can I survive? Yeah. And well, I, well, the, the, the real blow was I thought I was good. Like I was real confident. Yeah. And then my second year I got my like ISAT scores and they brought me in like, Hey, you're going to probably be on, um, academic, uh, watch basically. And if you don't pull your stuff together the second year, we're probably gonna let you go. And I was like, Oh, like that's for real. Like, okay. And so like, that was the kind of the pivotal moment for me, I think where I was like, I definitely love this job and I want to keep doing it. And I don't like, I don't want to be the guy that skates by or anything. So I I, like, I put in the hours. Um, that was, (laughs) that was the year that I did not have the barrier after work, work, uh, 
thing that was set up for myself that I have now. Yeah. Um, and so like I was making lesson plans. I was trying to think outside the box and I was working on all these things that, um, you know, would set me apart and not have me be <laughs> on the verge of losing my job. Yeah. <laughs> not on academic watch. Yeah. That was definitely a really good motivator. Um, and so, yeah, that was the year I kind of stepped it up and I, you saw like big growth as far as like my students, but then that third year, I feel like I kind of meshed the academic growth with like the personal student growth. And that's kind of where that, yeah. um, I saw the biggest growth in my class and I was like, wow, like that worked for them the best. And then, so I kind of just extrapolated that and kept pushing that idea. And so, um, that's where you really see that, like almost that need to see how far you can take them. Yeah. Right. Like in my third year, I was like, wow, I got them to this point. And then from there, you just kind of get that like self-motivation where it's like, how far can I really take them? Yeah. And it's like year six now, I have kids coming to me talking about time management and ex like pulling out that this is an emotionally based article versus like so a scientific. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, that's really cool. But then again, like early in the podcast, was, I'm like, I'm thinking about next year at this point and like, how can I get my fourth graders to be yeah. fifth graders sooner? Yeah. Well, and I think it's cool because kind of being the sports junkie, the video game yeah. nerd, like you're gamifying it. Yeah. And not in like a bad way, but you're like, you're looking at it as a chat, like an ongoing challenge mm -hmm. to where it's like, I mean, in, in sports or in, in video games, it's like, okay, I got here. Yeah. How can I get there faster? How can I get there now? And yeah. it's like, okay, I've got these kids here when they're in their second year. But like, like you just said, I want to get them as close to this point as fast as I can yeah. because then there's so much more opportunity because then you're not, you don't know what's after that. Yeah. And so it's, it's cool to kind of see that drive and yeah. the passion still be there. Cause at this point you could be like, Oh yeah, like I've got this down and you could get re kind of re re revert back to a sort of that kind of first year yeah. mindset of, I got this, like, this is a good spot. Like I yeah. can just keep cycling this, but you're like, no, like I want more. Yeah. And so it's like, what, and it's that sense of curiosity, but also that push of motivation. It sounds like to where it's like, how far can this really go? Yeah, it is. And I mean, there's also this really selfish, um, desire. And I mean, I recognize that it's not good. And I try to be, I try to be humble about it. And I don't usually talk about this, but like, I have this real big desire to be better than everybody else. Like in the worst possible way, like I want to ruin other teachers for my kids. Like it sounds awful when you say it out loud, it yeah. really does. But it's like, that is one of my like things. It's like, I would want you to be, like, you want to be a teacher that they think about 20 years from now. Yeah. yeah. Like, who is your favorite teacher? Oh, Mr. Yurt. Like, not even hesitation. Yeah. Like, I want that to be, I want to be the baseline teacher that all kids compare their other teachers to. Yeah. And like I said, that's a really horrible and selfish, like, thing. Yeah. I mean, but, it's all about the connotation of it. I mean, it's like, true. realistically, like, you're not going out there and, like, sabotaging other teachers. You're oh, just, no. Like, you're trying, you're like, the ironic, the ironicity of it is you're just being better yeah. in the hope of being seen as better. Yeah. And the only, I mean, the best outcome of that is the kids are better. So right. it's like, yeah, again, it's you're a not story where it's like, it sounds selfish, but then it's like, but then kids will grow and be better. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, so I guess it's not that bad of a thing. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> that's really cool. And again, I mean, one thing that I've really enjoyed is a lot of this has been either stuff that passively has come up, but then a lot of, I mean, other stuff is like, we just don't have a lot of these conversations. Yeah. Granted, because we're probably usually hanging out with a group of seven or seven to 10 people. So or it's 14, not really, you know, somewhere 14, in that number. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So the other one I want to touch on, um, because I found it really cool and I've, I know a little bit about this, but kind of talking about the goal that you have yeah. in the next five to 10 years. So you mentioned that there's a company called P E B S B C B C sorry, not B S <laughs> P E B S a B C gosh, I'm sorry about this company. Um, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about that and what that, what, yeah. that, what is that? So in our third year, um, our our school sent us down to Denver for a week long conference to through this company PBC and they have a bunch of host teachers down in Denver and they they were trying to get a lot of the teachers to kind of model this way of teaching up here in Coeur d'Alene um, and the PBC company hosts conferences from people all over the United States and so you go down there for a week and it's a conference and so they talk to you about this type of teaching called using the workshop model and then they go to different teachers who are implementing this. And so you can see these master teachers basically like doing this thing and see how you can implement it in your own classroom. And so we went down there and I pulled a lot of really awesome things and a lot of things I use in the classroom kind of stem from this, this conference. And so, um, as our, our school district has continued to do a lot of work, like observing them, um, they've also started to put in like, Hey, like we have a lot of teachers cause we had sent people down to this conference, like, yeah, there were three chunks you could go to fall, winter, spring. Yeah. And we'd done this for two years. So we'd sent like six or seven groups of groups of teachers, like 10 or 12 teachers down yeah. there. So the district was really making a push for this kind of teaching. Um, and so after that third year, then talk had started about like, well, what if we started like absorbing some of this like idea and like maybe we could be a satellite um, hosting center yeah. for other people up here. And so once that idea kind of came out, um, I was like, well, that would be really interesting. And that kind of really fits in that idea with wanting to be better. Um, yeah. not only just for the sake of like, come look at me, I'm so great. Ha ha. But like, and, or like the, I, the push that you have to make individually to like get to that yourself to that point. Yeah. I felt like it's a really good marker for me. Like, okay, like if I can get and like to good enough to where people actually want to come see me, like that's a good marker for me to say, I'm doing something right. Yeah. Um, I'm right on the right track. And so that was kind of like, that's been my goal has been staying in contact. Um, the district's really fingers crossed, hopefully next year. Um, that's their goal anyways, to start having uh PBC host teachers up here. Um, the district already has host teachers. So I'm hosting some people in May to come, but they're like in district. Yeah. Um, and I'm not getting paid for it. It's just like, come see my classroom, but it's still yeah. a good practice for, for that. And so that's definitely my goal is that big to have people fly from around the U S to come watch you, I think is like a super huge compliment, but at the same time, like that keeps you on your game. Yeah. Like that keeps you sharp. That's like the, the super bowl, right? Like that's people coming to watch you play and paying for it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of been my biggest like focus. Cause I mean, past teaching there, there is nothing like in other jobs you can like, Oh, like I want to be this, or I want to go here. Or like I want to get this pay raise. And it's kind of like teaching is, is the cap I mean, you can get some like professional development to make some more money, but like, there's no, yeah, there's no spot unless you, you want to go be a principal. Yeah. You have to find ways to, you kind of touched on it. Like it gives you a marker, Yeah, but it also gets you something to like work towards. Cause like yeah. you said, if people are flying, if people are either being paid or paying or whatever they have to do to get to your classroom, like yeah. one, you want to make it worth it. Not because <clears throat> out of respect for them, but almost as much of they're going to be judging you. Yeah. And so it's like, 
and you only get that one shot. There's not like, oh, like that was just an off day. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. It's like, no, I live in, I live on the East coast. Like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, that was your one shot and you blew it. <laughs> yeah. So what does it look like? I mean, is there tryouts, interviews? Do they like yeah. kind of test it out a couple times and then they officially be like, all right, like, cool. Like you're officially a host. Yeah. So, um, I guess I, it's been a couple year tryout process. Um, there's an after school, uh, program, I guess that yeah. I'm a part of. It's called TLA teacher leader Academy. Um, and a lot of different, there's probably about 20 different teachers in our district that are attendant and they're all have the same similar goal, um, wanting to better themselves, but also wanting to host. Yeah. Um, and so I've been doing that for the last two years and that's kind of like that tryout process, um, and getting like other teachers from your building to come see your classroom, um, getting teachers from other buildings to come watch. And that's kind of like slowly working up towards the big times essentially. Yeah. Um, so you're just getting used to having people in your classroom, observing you, taking notes, asking you questions. Um, and so during those times you really have to, you know, stay on your game. Cause if you can't host people from your own school, yeah. they're definitely not going to fly someone from New York over to come watch you. Like that's yeah. just not going to happen. Um, so it's kind of like building a name for yourself within the district. Um, cause I mean the district has 200 teachers, 300 teachers. Yeah. And so to, be recognized as someone to go watch within the district is, I guess that guess, guess the goal kind of building a name for yourself, just like a business would. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool to hear that. And I mean, just seeing it from afar, I mean, last year before, or I guess it was even kind of like during everything hit, like yeah. you were, was it teacher of the year? Yeah. Elementary teacher, of the elementary year. teacher, yeah. which, which I mean is, I mean, it's got to go at least again, like it's a, another marker yeah. in the step of the right direction. Yeah. And so it's, it's more of like, I would imagine just hearing this conversation and knowing you personally, like it's more of like a, it's not a, okay, I hit the, I hit what I wanted. It's more of like, okay, I'm on the right track. Yeah. Like this is one, one, another, yet another thing to show myself, to show other people, like I'm in it for the right reasons yeah. and I'm doing something right. Cause I was recognized. Yeah. So. And it's true. And Amy gives me a hard time. My wife, uh, we were talking about this oh, a couple of days ago and she was like, you got to remember, cause like teachers can be hard on themselves. And I was like, she was saying, I was, I mentioned something and the teacher of the year comment came up and I was like, I was only elementary teacher of the year. And I was like, for me, like that's, that wasn't good enough. Like I did not win the overall thing. Cause yeah. I was still the teacher of the year. Yeah. And so for me, I was like, that was kind of cool, but I was still kind of disappointed. And she's like, you won elementary teacher of the year. It was like 150 elementary teachers and you won it. And I was like, yeah, but it wasn't wasn't at 500. Yeah, that's exactly. That's, like my, that's my thought process. As stupid as that is. And so then like, if I was ever lucky enough to win like the Coeur d'Alene School District Teacher of the Year, um, I don't know that I'd ever be satisfied because then it's like, but it wasn't State Teacher of the Year. Teacher of the State. Yeah. Right. Wasn't Teacher of the Region. Well, wasn't Teacher of America. <laughs> what am I doing? Garbage. Yeah. So I don't, again, like it goes back to like why I've had certain people on this podcast and why I hope to have these ty same type of certain people is like, there's that healthy balance. And I think, I mean, I have brought this up before, but like you have those achievements yeah. and high achievers in my opinion, or at least from what I've heard and what I've been able to have conversations with a couple episodes deep of like, everyone struggles with the same thing of, okay, I did this. And you're like, all right, ne next thing. Yeah. And you're, you just kind of like glance over like, cause Amy's right. It's like out of 150 stu teachers, yeah. like they all voted for you to be the best one. Yeah this past year. And so like that is an accolade that deserves, I mean, we did like a cool little par parade and celebrated <laughs> it, but like 
it deserves a lot of recognition. Yeah. And the hard part is that a lot of that recognition happens externally yeah. and internally. It's more of like, yeah, but it wasn't good enough. Yeah. And, 100%. and it's like, no, it's, I mean, yeah, it's cool to have that ex that next goal, but like, we got to remember to like, just almost be in the moment of like, okay, like again, yeah, I'm at the spot I did. Like I'm on the right track. Yeah. And then unfortunately high achievers <laughs> or workaholics or people that would just want more. Yeah. It's just more of like a glance, like, yeah. 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 They just keep going. It's literally, it's like if you're climbing a mountain, it's like, cool. I got to one little ledge that I could stand on for a moment. Yeah. But it's not the top. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is a question I'm, I'll toss back to you because it's something I've been kind of thinking about. And it's like, as a high achiever, which I mean, I think I mean, I'm here and you're the one hosting this. So I would, I would, I would consider us both high achievers to yeah. some degree. Um, is there ever a peak to that mountain? Do you think, or is that like just this ethereal concept of like, yeah, I'm gonna get to the top, but is there ever, is there a top? Yeah, no, that, that is a good question. And um, it's one that, I mean, I think about from time to time and I would say there has to be a healthy balance. Like, yeah. I don't think there, I think there's a top for your goal, but as a high achiever or someone that wants to continue to do more, you always find the next thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like where I struggle and kind of your story with, with, the, with Amy kind of highlighted as well as like, we struggle at celebrating hit, getting those to the mountaintops because mm -hmm. technically elementary teacher of the year is a mountaintop. Yeah. And so I think there's always that mountaintop for your goal, but there's mm -hmm. like, I think for most high achievers, there's always that next mountaintop. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, I guess a yes and no question of, or answer. Yeah. But I think there has to be that healthy balance. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to think that eventually like <laughs> you'd be satisfied. Right, I've peaked. <laughs> this is where I, this is where I coast. Yeah. But I mean, knowing myself, I mean, I've said that, I don't know if I've ever said this around you, but I still tell you all the time, like Sundays are awful for me Yeah. because I'm in this weird angst of, I've had a day and a half off and it's not most, it's not more of like, I'm anxious to get back to work because yeah. there are times where it's like, okay, like I know yeah, things I have to do. to do this thing and it's ugh, like, there's always, like, there's little things that we talked about in the beginning, like you're not looking forward to it. Yeah. But I'm, I just get like, I have to do something. Like, yeah. I can only not be productive or not be working for so long. Yeah. And it's definitely something where I'm working towards like find peace and like enjoy relax relaxation. Yeah. But as of right now, like there's not really that like, okay, like I could just yeah. hang out and not do anything. You like would do that. awful on summer break. No, I want, I, but <laughs> I want to experience that's, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> like I want to experience that, but that, but I think at the same time, like I would have to find something to keep me busy. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's something where, yeah. I mean, this podcast is a great example to where yeah. I've been talking about it for so long, but at the same time, like it's a nice way to feel like I'm still being productive in a, in some way outside of work. Yeah. Um, so it's like that mix of a passion project, but it's also like, okay, I'm being productive. I'm yeah. you're gaining hopefully something. I'm not, yeah, I'm hopefully not, not only gaining something, but I'm contributing something yeah. to where like, like I've, I say in the, the general intro of like, I'm hoping that at least just one person, each episode is like, cool. I have a takeaway. Yeah. Like if, if I'm only helping one person each episode, like that's a win for me. Yeah. And granted, I'm not doing anything for anything else besides just having cool conversations with friends and uh, down the road people that I'm not as close, which as close with, but <laughs> yeah, as like a long winded answer, I, I think there's a mountaintop for each goal, but I think there's always something more, especially yeah. if you're a high achiever. Yeah. 
Uh, you made me think of something, and this is completely off subject, and we're running a little bit long, so I do apologize. Um, mountaintop podcast goal, like person. Like if you could have one person come on here, who would mm. that mountaintop person be? I mean, immediately it's one of those, like I would love to interview uh, Phil Spencer from Xbox. <sighs> like as we're... I mean, like as one of your people. best friends, if yeah. you don't invite me to that podcast, like to be here personally and just sit and listen, just I'll yeah. be in the room. So, I mean, or there's not. definitely like, fine. there's people that I, I listen to from podcasts and like, it would be really cool to like eventually just talk to them yeah, and like have that fangirl moment yeah. because hearing them being a podcast for a while, like they've even talked about, like they get like knowing that they even get nervous still for their interviews of mm-hmm. developers and Phil Spencer and lead of uh, gaming industry. Cause again, we're gamers. So like, that's the example I have, but like knowing that they still get the butterflies in the stomach yeah. and I would get butterflies and interviewing them is like, that'd be, so there's a handful that I would yeah. want to, but uh, yeah, if I was like one call to have one interview, it definitely would be Phil Spencer. Just good one. So good one. as for to a small tangent too, that's also the, I've already told my boss, Corey, like if Xbox was ever to call and be like, Hey, we want you to work here. Be like, Okay. <laughs> Sorry, bro. That'd be, that'd be the one job where you'd be like, all right, like I'm, I'm out. So here's my two weeks. Yep. Two weeks ago. Is <laughs> that? Um, okay. So yeah, that was, I mean, that was a great, this great long podcast. Um, we'll finish out, uh, something that I've enjoyed doing the last couple of times is, uh, if you were to go back in time, yeah. Hang out with your 15 year old self for five minutes. Mm. What's something What's one piece of advice that you share with them? Yeah. I remember you asking Tyler this one. And so I started pondering, like I said, I don't have a lot of regrets Yeah, and that kind of whole exponentially growth and changing your life. If you make the butterfly effect basically. Yeah. So it's like, I like where I'm at. So I don't know how it change a whole lot. My one thought was like invest in Amazon. Like when we're 15, like that was small enough. You could buy thousand dollars in share. Amazon, Bitcoin, man, Bitcoin be a good one too. Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Or toilet paper. Knowing about 2020, <laughs> million dollars in toilet paper, retire, be done. That's funny. Okay. Um, and the next one is flipping it the other way. Yeah. You run into your 56 year old self. Yeah. What's, what's something you hope that they tell you or what's, what's something that they, you hope that they share with you reflecting oh. back on your life? I would hope by the time I'm 50 and 60 that I've had enough kids come through and come back and that share their stories that it wouldn't be so much me telling myself something, but me just sharing stories that I've heard from people like that I've affected. Yeah. Um, I have the privilege in my job to affect lives really positively or really negatively. Yeah. Um, and so just to hear that it made a difference, that it worked, Yeah. that I made someone's life better. Like that, I guess would be like, that's, that's why you teach in the first place. Yeah. Um, so just to know, like how many teachers have you gone back and you actually said like made a difference? Not, I mean, granted we had different teaching experiences, but like, yeah, you don't ever get that chance. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a handful of like fun teachers or teachers I enjoyed, Yeah, but I've maybe run into like one of them and said, thank you. Yeah. I have never like actively pursued and like, and that's my goal. So kids like come back and be like, you changed me. Yeah. So that would be what I hope he would say is that we did that. Yeah. He's heard that. Mm, that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for not only being on the podcast, but now being the longest podcast. Yes. So you're the, you're the best podcast interviewee as of right now. Mountaintop. Mountaintop. <laughs> there you go. 
All right. Well, thanks again, Travis. Um, and Thank thanks you. everyone for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Take care.